0: Alrighty, church. If you have your Bibles, let's open those up to Jeremiah chapter 17 this morning. As you guys are turning there, I'll kind of catch us up on what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. We're continuing our summer series, which I've called Misconceptions About Christianity. And in this series, my desire is to point out some things that have been misconstrued either outside of the faith where people who are not believers in Christ they have heard certain things about Christianity and they have uh... taken little bits and pieces of what they've heard and they've misconstrued it to say something that it either doesn't say at all or was never meant to say um, but sometimes we also have people within the christian faith who have just this this misconstrued idea of who God is or what the Christian faith is all about, uh, and it comes with it various topics, uh, various doctrines that have been uh, just perceived incorrectly. And so, what I was hoping to do in this series, while we're on you know our summer break from our book study, uh, is to address some of these topics. And so far, we've hit two of them, and in the first two weeks in this series. We address the misconception that God will never give you more than you can handle. And we also address the misconception that the Bible says that we're not to judge anyone. And if you were here, you remember God will give you a lot more than you can handle. And uh, God does not, he does say not to judge anyone. But when he tells us that, he says not to judge people hypocritically. Uh, We are to judge each other within the church. We're supposed to love each other well enough to say, hey, you're stepping outside the bounds of what God would have you to do. Uh, So if you weren't here for those two weeks and you're interested in catching up on those, they're on the Facebook page. They're on the church's website under the resource tab. You can easily catch up on those. Uh, But this week, the third misconception about Christianity that I want to address is this notion that God wants you to be happy, so you should follow your heart. God wants you to be happy, so you should do whatever it is that you want to do. And this is a very common uh, thought outside of the church. As as we are, the human heart is an idol factor. We are constantly making idols that we want to pursue after. These little g-gods that are created really in our own image that always like to tell us exactly what we want to hear. And so outside of the church... We, we see people that they take this idea that God is love, and if God loves me, then he wants me to be happy. And if he wants me to be happy, he's going to let me do whatever it is that I want to do. Right? But the problem is, though, we're not always immune to this idea within the church either. And I remember it was about 15 years ago. I was still in seminary. I was pretty wet behind the ears with this whole ministry thing. And I was serving a church as an intern and I had a phone call and that phone call involved a lady from the church who was having a rough time in her marriage. Their family was going through some difficult things. The husband had just lost his job. Everything was up in the air. They didn't know what was going on or what was going to come next. And the husband had decided sort of unilaterally, that it would be best for them to move back to the state they came from and to move closer to his family so that they would have some help and they would have an easier time finding a job. And this lady did not want to do that. She had no desire to move back to that state. She had no desire to live that close to his family and she felt like that there would be easy enough opportunity to find a job where they were. And so she called me looking for advice. And my advice that night was that you need to follow your husband's lead. You need to trust him and trust God and do what your husband thinks is best. And she told me that night that I was no longer welcome in their home, that I would never darken their doorstep again. She could not believe that I would say such a thing to her because she had to believe that God wanted her to be happy. God wanted her to be happy and she wasn't going to be happy going to this new state. She wasn't going to be happy living close to her husband's family. She wasn't going to be happy with whatever new job that she would find in this new state. And she had to believe that God wanted her to be happy. Now in that moment I stepped back, I said, look, I don't know the whole story here. I don't know everything that's going on. So maybe I I spoke without knowledge and Proverbs says that only a fool speaks without knowledge. So maybe I should learn a little bit more about what's going on. She said, don't bother. You're not welcome in my house anymore. Click the end. Now here we are 15 years later and I stand behind the advice that I gave her that night because the advice that I gave her was biblical. And I have no issues other than the fact that I didn't hear the other side of the story. I have no issues with what I said because the word of God backs up what I gave her to do, but that did not make her happy. And she felt like she had to be happy and God loved her. So that meant that she had to be happy. Now in each one of these misconceptions, there's almost always a kernel of truth. There's almost always something in it that is true, something that you can find in Scripture that is backed up in Scripture. And the kernel of truth in this misconception is that God does indeed want you to be happy. He does. But where we begin to veer off course is where we look to find that happiness. Right? Where does Scripture say that we should find our happiness? If you're looking on the backside of your worship guide, you're going to see some of it. Right. Psalm 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 32.11 says, be glad in the Lord. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18 says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So God does want you to be happy. That's not wrong. Even more than that, God wants you to experience joy. And I've explained before the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is a fickle emotion. It's based on our circumstances. We can be happy in one moment and completely furious the next, just based on how the circumstances change. And So God wants you to be happy, but he wants you to be happy in him. He wants you to experience joy. And the only place that you're ever going to find everlasting joy is in him. What God does not want us to do is pursue happiness by pursuing the desires of our heart. Unless if the desires of our heart are pointing towards him, then we should pursue that. Otherwise, we shouldn't. Why? Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10 is going to tell us why. Follow along with me as I read it. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength and his heart turns from the Lord. He will be like a juniper in the Arabah. He cannot see when good comes but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land where no one lives. The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. So why does God not want us to follow our heart after the things that we desire? In Jeremiah, we find out that apart from Christ, our hearts are inherently wicked. Our hearts are inherently deceitful. We have a sin nature that is present in us from birth, and that sin nature is constantly pulling us away from God. It's constantly putting up our needs, our desires, the things that we want, over and above God and other people. And our heart is constantly lying to us. It's constantly saying, God loves you. God wants the best for you. God wants you to be happy. You should do that thing that has, he has clearly spoken against in his word. It's not going to be that bad. The consequences of sin aren't that bad. It's not hurting anyone else. Why shouldn't I be able to do that? And so what we see here in Jeremiah 17, it means that if we are left alone by God to pursue our own desires, we are naturally going to pull away from him and we will go after the things that we think will make us happy but are ultimately going to bring us to destruction. When we see God in Scripture just letting people go to do whatever they want, what we see is that is an act of God's judgment against those people. Right? If you look at Romans 1, verses 18 to 32, we see God allowing folks to follow their heart. And we see that as a part of God's judgment on them. In verse 18, it says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four footed animals, and reptiles. Listen here, verse 24. Pay close attention. It says, Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. God's judgment on these people that Paul is writing about here in Romans chapter 1, God's judgment is that he let them go. He let them do the desires of their heart. He let them go after that. And it says in verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. And then we see the consequences of this. These people, they pursue after their own desires and look what happens. Verse 26, for this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men, in the same way, also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty for their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. And although they know God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they applaud others when they do them." God Let these people go after the desires of their heart and look what it cost. Sexual immorality, quarrels, envy, murder, gossip, slander, arrogance, being boastful, inventors of evil. I like that. Like this is stuff that nobody has ever thought of before. Like we keep coming up with new ways to break God's law. To turn on people. To hurt others. To pleasure ourselves. We keep coming up with new ways to do it. They invent evil. They're untrustworthy. They're unloving. They're unmerciful. Because we are naturally inclined to go our own way. Because we are naturally inclined to leave God behind. Our only hope to avoid this judgment is to be given a new heart and a new spirit. We can't trust our heart outside of a relationship with Christ. And this is something that God has to do for us because it's not something that we will ever be inclined to do for ourselves. That sin nature pulls us away from God always and constantly and there's nothing in us that wants to move towards Him. So God has to do this for us. We see Something of this in Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 30. We get a glimpse of what it looks like for God to pull Israel out of the consequences of their desire to follow their own hearts. They're a wet, they've been moved away into exile because they follow their own heart instead of following after God. And we get to see what God says to them in Ezekiel, verse 30, chapter 36, verses 22 to 30. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am the Lord. This is the declaration of the Lord God. When I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness I will summon the grain and make it plentiful and I will not bring famine on you I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful so that you will no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine now we have to be careful here because we should not interject ourselves into this passage because Ezekiel isn't talking to us God is not talking to us this passage is not about us This passage is about Israel. So when we start snatching this stuff out, like we have been talking about in the last couple of weeks, and we say, well, this is obviously about me. It's not. It's about Israel. So we have to be careful. But we see, as God speaks to Israel, we see in that how he also works to save us from our sins. Look at all that God does here. Go back through it with me. God is speaking. He says. I will take you from the nations. I will sprinkle you clean with water and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. God is the actor here. God is the only one that can change our hearts. The work that needed to be done for our salvation was done by Christ right just as Israel had strayed away from God and, and brought his name to burden right we do the same thing. we go our own way we try to chase after everything but God and God to Bring salvation to us, Jesus had to step out of heaven into his own creation and live the life that we should have lived and died the death that we deserved and took our punishment on himself so that we could be saved. And then the Holy Spirit acts on us. The Holy Spirit calls us Right, The call towards Christ comes from the Holy Spirit. Your willingness to be obedient to that call comes from God changing your heart and putting His Spirit within you. Being cleaned up from all of our impurities and all the idols that we chase. That's the Holy Spirit's work within us, making us more and more like Christ in the process of sanctification. Our willingness to put down our own desires and pursue after God comes only after the Holy Spirit dwells within us. If God does not act in our lives, we continue to go our own way. We continue to follow our heart and pursue after happiness that's going to crumble to dust in our hands as we scramble for it more and more. There's no hope in it. When we went through the book of Ezekiel, we saw Solomon was going after everything under the sun except for God, and he found it to be vain. It's like chasing the wind. He couldn't catch it. Nothing brought him lasting satisfaction. It might have made him happy in the moment, but after that, we see it crumble away. The only thing that brings us any kind of ultimate happiness is that relationship with Christ. God has to change our heart. He has to put a new spirit within us. And that is the only time that we should ever even come close to trusting our feelings about something. And even then, sometimes we can't trust them completely. Look at what Paul says in Romans 7, verses 14 to 25. He's, like, he's talking about this even after receiving a new heart and a new spirit. In Romans 7, verse 14 to 25. Now, I, I am reading this from the New Living Translation because... It gets a little bit repetitive if you read it in the CSB or the ESV, which is what I usually read from. But this says So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know, that what I'm doing is wrong this shows that I agree that the law is good so I'm not the one doing wrong it is sin living in me that does it and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature I want to do what is right but I can't I want to do what is good but I don't I don't want to do what is wrong but I do it anyway but if I do What I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. We see here that the Apostle Paul is battling with sin in himself. Right? He has a new heart. He has a new spirit within him, but there is still the old man inside of him that is battling for dominance. It's battling for control. And that battle, I mean, it gets old. I understand what Paul's saying here. Who will save me from this wretched man that I am? Christ saves us. But the battle is not over, we still have that same battle with sin. All day, every day. It's a battle that has been won, though. I want to give you that hope. Now, we still fight. We still battle Satan's sin. But these, this is a battle that has already been won. Right? It is a battle that is ongoing, but it is a battle that is guaranteed victory. So don't lose hope in that. But unfortunately, the battle does rage on. But we have to fight For God in that battle. We have to fight the inclination in ourselves. To go our own way. Jesus conquered Satan, sin and death at the cross. That fight we don't have to fight. What we do have to fight is our own tendency to turn away from the Lord. So the application that I want to give you today. If you have the tendency to think that God wants you to be happy. You're not wrong. But I do want you to pursue after that happiness in the right place. So I want you to check your desires against the Word of God. The way you feel should never be your ultimate gauge in anything. Your heart is going to deceive you. To so always check your desires against the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is never going to lead you into sin. If there's an issue in your life that you have begun praying over, and all of a sudden you feel this sense of peace, this is what I hear a lot. I have a, a peace about this. As, as though you couldn't have a peace in your heart against something sinful, right? should I enter into this relationship with someone that I know I shouldn't be into that relationship with? And I'm going to pray about it. And suddenly I get this sense of peace about that. Well, yeah, because the the fight is the Holy Spirit battling against your heart to tell you not to do that. And you have come to peace with that because you've given up the fight and you've decided to go your own way. Right? Uh, having a peace about something should never be your ultimate gauge on whether you should do something or not. I find peace with myself. Like I can justify my anger really, really easy. And if I found peace with punching someone in the face, like that would be easy to come by. We should never let that peace be what determines right and wrong in us. We should always put that up and against the word of God. God is not, the second part of this, God is not going to contradict himself by telling you something different than what is in his word. I've heard it. I've heard it. Counseling sessions, the Lord is leading me to separate from my wife. I've heard it. No, he's not. He most certainly is not. You are listening to something, but it is not the Lord. I feel, I've been praying about this. I feel a peace about it. You are listening to the wrong thing. God is not going to contradict himself. If you start hearing a voice that goes against what you read in the scripture, that voice is not God. That voice is you. It is a desire in your heart that is deceiving you, and you want it to be God because you want to go that way. God is not going to contradict himself. And lastly, God is not suddenly going to call evil good because you have a desire to do it. Right? Just you suddenly having a desire to go against God does not ever make evil good. And it doesn't matter how many people want to do it. But if you find yourself going with the crowd against something that God says is evil... And you all of a sudden jump on the bandwagon of all these people saying it's good. And you're going the wrong way. God is immutable. That means he doesn't change. He didn't change his mind about sin. He doesn't doesn't suddenly come up, oh, you know what? You're right. It is 2023. You know, like I didn't think about that you know, being eternal and all-knowing and all-powerful and all-wise and all that, suddenly 2023 showed up because I don't, I don't understand why that changes things for people. Gosh, you still believe that? It's 2023. Yeah, I believe it because an eternal God who knows the beginning from the end said, don't do that. It doesn't matter if it's 52, It doesn't matter. The word of God does not change. The will of God does not change. We need to turn our hearts towards him. And that is a battle that we need to fight on a daily basis. And you can't do that if you don't know your word. Right? How do you fight? How do you fight these desires if you don't know what the word of God says? And that's where a lot of these misconceptions come from. Is people have bits and pieces of information about scripture but they don't know it all. I mean, not all. I don't know it all. But they don't know. Enough, they know it just enough to be dangerous. So we need to spend time in the Word so that we can know what God desires for us. We can know what God calls evil and sin, and what He calls good. We can learn about the Holy Spirit. We can dive deeper into that relationship with Him so that we can have abundant life we can have abundant ministry we can have fruitfulness and we get a joy that surpasses all understanding but the desire to pursue after your own will is always going to lead down a path that is not going to be good for you god does love you he wants you to be happy but he wants you to be happy in him let's pray together Father, is my desire that each and every one of us would pursue happiness, but we would pursue happiness in you, and you alone. Or that we would push away the lies of our culture that acts as though the Bible is outdated. Your decrees about our relationships, your decrees about how we should handle our money, your decrees about how we should live life with the church. Like None of this stuff is going out of date. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to stand firm on the rock of your scriptures. That all the commands that you have given us come from a place of love. It's like a, a loving parent saying, no, don't do that, because if you do that, it's going to get you in a world of hurt. And I pray that we would be mindful of that. That we would want to pursue that with everything in us. That we would want to know more and more so that we can live a life that is turned towards you. And in that we will find true happiness. Lord, I pray today if any of, anyone here is one far from you, never had the new heart, never had the new spirit placed in them, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. And Lord, I know that Many of us here are fighting battles with our heart. Fighting battles on a daily basis. To do what your spirit is calling us to do. And I pray for strength. I pray for joy. I pray that there would be an openness with that so that we can surround each other. With the support that you have called us to give. Lord help us to see truly what this world has to offer and give us the strength to reject it and pursue after you in your son's precious name that I pray Amen